Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Industrial Alliance First Quarter Earnings Results Conference Call. During the presentation, all participants will be in a listen-only mode. Afterwards, we will conduct a question and answer session. At that time, if you have a question, please press the 1 followed by the 4 on your telephone. If at any time during the conference you need to reach an operator, please press star 0. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded on Thursday, May 6, 2021. I would now like to turn the conference over to Marianne Bono, Head of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Good morning and welcome to our first quarter conference call. All our Q1 documents, including press release, slides for this conference call, MD&A, and supplementary information package are posted in the Investor Relations section of our website at ia.ca. The conference call is open to the financial community, the media, and the public. I remind you that the question period is reserved for financial analysts. A recording of this call will be available for one week starting this evening. The archive webcast will be available for 90 days, and a transcript will be available on our website in the next week. I draw your attention to the forward-looking statements at the end of the slide package. A detailed discussion of the company's risk is provided in our 2020 MDNA, available on CDAR and on our website. I will now turn the call over to Denis Ricard, President and CEO. Thank you, Marianic. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the call today. As usual, I will start by introducing everyone attending the call on behalf of IE. Jacques Padvin, Chief Actuary and CFO. Mike Stickney, Chief Growth Officer and responsible, among other things, for U.S. operations. Alain Bergeron, Chief Investment Officer. René Laflamme, in charge of individual insurance and annuities. Sean O'Brien, responsible for mutual fund business and wealth management distribution affiliates. François Blais, in charge of our dealer services, special markets, and IOTO and Home and Eric Jobin, responsible of our group businesses. IE Financial Group has had an excellent start to the year, as can be seen in our solid results disclosed earlier this morning. All our business lines performed well, delivering strong sales and earnings. The KPIs shown on slide four are a good reflection of our Q1 performance. Core EPS and core ROE are two important profitability measures for which we provide guidance to the market. At the end of the first quarter, these two metrics were at the top half of our guidance, which is a very good result. Core EPS was $1.70 per share, up 20% year over year, and core ROE for the last 12 months was 13.6%. Sales were also excellent. Premiums and deposits increased by a strong 25% year-over-year to $4.4 billion, 
an AUA-AUM of more than $201 billion increased by 15% over the last 12 months. Our solvency ratio is solid at the 128% and is further enhanced by our distinctive market protection, which amounts to an additional 8 percentage points. Finally, our book value increased by 3% quarter over quarter and by 9% year over year. Now to slide five, which illustrates the power of our diversified business mix. Those of you who attended our investor event in March will recognize this triangle. It is an overview of our business mix based on three broad categories, foundation, support, and expansion. Foundation businesses, namely individual insurance, individual wealth, and dealer services in Canada are those in which IE is well-established and where we already have a leadership position. In Q1, sales were strong in these businesses. In particular, individual insurance and wealth sales were outstanding. Individual insurance sales carried on their momentum to increase by 29% over last year's. While we set new records for SEC fund and mutual fund sales with net inflows exceeding $1.3 billion. As for dealer services, we observe a recovery in sales, and more importantly, the sector recorded a $0.05 cents EPS gain during Q1, thanks to favorable experience from PNC products and car loans. Our support businesses deliver synergies and competitive advantages to other IA businesses while simultaneously supporting the attainment of our ROE target. These businesses also performed well in Q1 with sales up more than 50% in the employee plans division. And again, very, very favorable experience for our PNC subsidiary, IE Auto and Home. Finally, our expansion businesses, which are distinctive businesses with high growth potential, include our retail business, uh, distribution businesses and our US operations. On the distribution side, contribution from both insurance and wealth distribution affiliates was better than expected. We are also very pleased with both U.S. divisions, as individual life reported good results in line with expectations, and dealer services recorded sales and profit above expectations. This suggests that we are beginning to reap the benefits of the IAS acquisition. With these very positive results, we are well positioned to continue our growth toward the targets presented earlier this year at our investor event. At the same time, we will of course continue to be present and supportive of our clients, employees, and communities as they face the challenges of the current pandemic. It is in this spirit that we recently announced our participation, along with other companies, in the vaccination effort. I will now let Mike comment further on business growth and following Mike's remarks, Jacques will provide more information on our Q1 earnings and financial strength. We'll pass it over to Mike. Thank you, Denis, and uh, good morning, everyone. As you heard in Denis' comments, we started the year strong in terms of business growth. All lines of business, in fact, delivered good sales performances in the first quarter. In particular, the individual insurance and individual wealth management sectors stood out. I also want to highlight the very good results of U.S. dealer services. Now, please refer to slide seven as I will comment on Q1 sales results by line of business. 
In individual insurance, sales exceeded 58 million during the first quarter, a notable 29% year-over-year increase. The combination of three factors supported this growth. Our enhanced product offering, the, the strength of our distribution networks, and the excellent performance of our digital tools. Now looking at group insurance, with the addition of several new groups, the employee plans division also recorded sales significantly higher than for the same period last year, up 53%. In Dealer Services Canada, sales were up 3% from 2020, mainly driven by car loan originations and PNC sales. In the special markets divisions, Sales were lower than last year, mainly due to the decline in travel insurance as sales of other products were generally good. In our U.S. operation, sales momentum remained good in individual insurance with a 6% increase year over year. As for the dealer services division of our U.S. operations, sales totaled $233 million U.S., this significant increase of 99% year-over-year was supported by the addition of IAS sales, along with the enrollment of several new dealer groups. Speaking of IAS, the integration is progressing well, and the synergies between IAS and DAC are starting to pay off, as demonstrated by our good sales results. Now, turning to slide 8 for individual wealth management, guaranteed product sales continue to be excellent, totaling more than $228 million. Looking at segregated funds, we are now number one in both gross and net sales. Gross, segre gross segregated fund sales exceeded $1.3 billion, up 58% year over year. Net sales were more than $972 million for the quarter, more than double on a year over year basis. As with individual insurance sales, our distribution networks and superior digital tools have been key to the to the success of our segregated fund sales. Moving to mutual funds, gross sales were up 36% year over year to nearly $942 million. Net sales recorded solid inflows of nearly $378 million. This performance was supported by the contribution of all distribution networks. As a result, gross and net sales for both segregated and mutual funds Record high result record sorry record high results were recorded during the quarter. In group savings and retirement, sales were also higher than a year earlier due to the signing of new groups with substantial assets. Finally, direct written premium in our PNC affiliate IA Auto and Home continued their steady growth and increased 14% year over year. Overall, our excellent sales results led to an increase in premiums and deposits to over $4.4 billion at the end of the first quarter. As for assets under management administration, the growth of the financial markets and solid net inflows of funds resulted in a 15% increase over the last 12 months. In conclusion, I would like to draw your attention to slide 9, which shows our premiums and deposits for the first quarter over the last five years. The amount of premiums and deposits is a key indicator of our success in growing our business. The five-year CAGR of 18% and the year-over-year -year growth of 25% speaks volumes about our continued sales growth momentum. I will now turn it over to Jacques to comment on Q1 earnings and capital strength. Thank you, Mike, and good morning, everyone. All our business lines contributed to our good profitability in the first quarter. 
As shown on slide 11, overall, our results compare favorably with guidance. Both core EPS at $1.79 and core ROE at 13.6% were in the top half of our guidance. Ongoing organic capital generation was strong at about $90 million. The only deviation from guidance was taxes, which I will explain further in the next few minutes. Slide 12 presents the reconciliation of core earnings with reported earnings. A few things are worth mentioning here. First, and not surprisingly, market-related impacts were somewhat favorable. The other three adjustments, namely IAS integration costs, amortization of acquisition-related intangible assets, and non-core pension expense, were all very close to expectations, with only a one-cent difference for integration costs. Before continuing with the presentation of the results, I want to draw your attention to some additional information now included in our documents. Following the revision of our core earning definition, we have decided to include some additional information in the financial information package. For example, the main experience gains and losses and other items of note are now disclosed in EPS, but also in millions dollar pre and post tax. Now moving to slide 13, where our Q1 results are presented on a core SOE basis. First, expected profit of 216.5 million is up 11.6% year over year, which clearly demonstrates the pace of our growing earning power. Overall, policyholder experience, which is further detailed on slide 21 in the appendices, was slightly above expectation with a one-cent EPS gain. Both the dealer services divisions in Canada and in the U.S. reported results above expectation. In Canada, PNC experience was favorable and car loans generated a gain as we observe favorable car loan credit experience. In the US, a 4 cent EPS gain was mainly driven by favorable claims and strong sales. These favorable items were mostly offset by higher expenses and to a lesser extent but by higher mortality in the employee plan division. At 5% of sales, Strain was within guidance, but slightly higher than expected, resulting in a one-cent EPS loss. Income on capital was much higher than expected in Q1, resulting in a nine-cent EPS gain. In addition to higher investment income on surplus, this gain was mostly due to very favorable experience at IAAH, as claim ratios for both auto and home insurance were more favorable than expected. However, income taxes were higher than expected, resulting in a 9 cent EPS loss. This is mainly explained by higher taxation from the Canadian company status 
as a multinational insurer due to market-related variation, essentially raising interest rates. Other smaller deviations, such as the negative impact of the decrease in the value of real estate, also explain this result. All in all, these items of note offset each other and when considered as a whole, with the impacts outlined on slide 13, resulting core APS of $1.79 is above the middle of our guidance. Turning to slide 14, where you will find an update regarding our additional protections in reserve for pandemic uncertainty. For Q1, we expected the additional mortality related to the pandemic to be equivalent to 9 cent EPS. In practice, excess mortality was lower than expected and represent, and represent 7 cent EPS. The additional mortality experience has been fully absorbed by the additional protection set aside for the first quarter and the remaining amount will be retained in the provision for possible use in future quarters. As for adverse policyholder behavior, no, additional no adverse experience was recorded during the quarter. Therefore, the additional protection remained intact and will also be kept for potential use in future quarters. Let's now look at our financial strength on slide 15. Our solvency ratio continues to be robust with a very healthy capital ratio of uh, 128%. Its slight decrease during the first quarter is the result of market-related variations, mainly higher interest rates. The recent rise in long-term interest rate has had short-term unwanted impacts, such as this, this decrease in the solvency ratio. However, Rising interest rates are good news and will be beneficial in the longer term in several ways, including an immediate impact of reducing URR sensitivity. The decrease of the solvency ratio resulting from market variation was partially offset by organic capital generation. Indeed, organic capital generation continued to be strong in Q1 as we generated $90 million. In addition, our distinctive market protection presented on slide 16 is currently worth more than the equivalent of eight additional percentage points of solvency ratio. I will conclude my remarks by underlining that the first quarter results are positive and are a very good start for the year. Operator, we will now take questions. Thank you. If you would like to register a question, please press the one followed by the four on your telephone. You will hear a three-tone prompt to acknowledge your request. If your question has been answered and you would like to withdraw your registration, please press the one followed by the three. One moment, please, for the first question. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Our first question comes from Manny Grauman with Scotiabank. Please proceed. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, capital generation this quarter of 90 million was very strong and uh, puts you on track to be quite a bit above uh, the target on an annualized basis. I'm just wondering if there's anything there that's uh, unusually pushing that number up and, and then if I look forward, is, is it reasonable to assume that you could keep a stronger pace going uh, through the rest of the year in terms of uh, uh, generating uh, capital. Thank you, Manny. Jacques speaking. Uh, it's a pretty good result. Uh, I still keep the guidance we provided uh, uh, when we table our results in February. Uh, Q1, uh, we had very strong uh, net sales in um, both seg funds, which is now uh, the large percentage is low guarantee product also in the mutual fund. So I would say that probably the capital required to support the new business in Q1 is probably smaller than in other quarters. So that's why I prefer to, to sit on the conservative side here and not create too much expectation. Makes sense. And then um, another question is uh, related to the dealer services business, uh, a good result, but we're hearing a lot about uh, chip shortages in, in the auto market. I'm wondering if you expect that to have an impact on on volumes there, are you seeing anything uh, in your business that uh, is likely to, to slow things down because of that or, or any other factor? I think I'm gonna let uh, Mike answer that question. Sure, <clears throat> thanks, uh, thanks Denny. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's in the news uh, a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, basically, obviously, we had a pretty good first quarter. Um, Indications so far that car sales are going to be pretty strong in the second quarter. So uh, uh, I think, you know, we expect to see that trend continue. But into the second half, I, I do think that we will end up, you know, facing some headwinds because of the chip shortage and car inventories. And uh, I guess uh, what we're hearing, you know, from industry sources is that they're also expecting a recovery in 2022 in, in terms of, you know, the uh, chip shortage catching up and inventory is sort of getting back to normal sometime in 2022. But yeah, definitely we're going to face some headwinds in the second half of the year. Thanks, Matt. 
Our next question comes from Doug Young with Desjardins Capital Markets. Please proceed. Uh, good morning. Uh, so, yeah, maybe start uh, or, or continue with that discussion. Like the decent experience in the U.S. Uh, dealer services, so IAS and DAC, can you talk a bit about what drove that experience gain? Um, I, I would, I would say. Oh, sorry, you go. You go, Jack. Uh, go ahead, uh, Mike. Yeah. Um, sorry. Um, you know, uh, we we had uh, uh, two things. I would say uh, strong uh, strong sales in, in the in the first quarter. And secondly, we're starting to feel the impact of integrating DAC and NIS, and that's having a positive impact as well. Um, Jacques, you may have some, some other things you want to add. Maybe uh, lower, lower, uh, small lower expenses on the operation, uh, operation side as well. So and uh, synergies are starting to play, uh, to play as well. Okay. And then... Jack, just looking at the equity buffer that's built into your reserves that are backing liabilities, and I guess, you know, I understand the corridor approach and all of that, but it looks like the threshold increased quarter over quarter, and maybe my mind is a little fuzzy, but why would that, why would the threshold have increased so much quarter over quarter? Um, Doug, I want to make sure when you see the threshold, could you be more precise and tell me which number you're looking at? Yeah, so slide 29, and it's the 14,200 points versus 12,800 points. So it's the amount of decline that you would have to have um, in the markets before you would have to strengthen your provisions for policyholder benefits. And if it's easier, we can take it offline. <clears throat> but that was just one item. That's yeah, I, I would say it's normal. Normal movement of the market uh, business is is uh, evolving as well. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't pay that much attention to that one because for me that variation of that is quite normal with the market uh, movement. So, but there wasn't any release of those reserves. Not at all. Okay. Yeah, I can I can follow up on that. And then just individual insurance sales again strong. Can you provide us how much? Uh, came from par. I, I'd be curious to see how much of that growth came from par. Uh, I know historically you haven't disclosed the the different segments, but but it would be interesting to kind of understand that. Ready? Yeah, this is Rani speaking. Thanks, Doug. Um, yeah, as you said, we actually don't disclose um, the um, the proportion of business coming from which product. Um, keep in mind that uh, we launched two products in 2020, a ULYRT as well as our PAR business. And, 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 and truly, it's a combination of those new products, um, the distribution networks, all of them contributing to the growth, and the, um, the digital tools that are, uh, more, that are very, performing very well and that we continue to invest on. So um, it really is a combination of different things. Um, so I, I guess that's uh, that's all I can. Um, I, that's the best information I can get at this point. The, the one thing that <laughs> I would like to add, Tony, is the fact that uh, we remain very disciplined in our pricing of products. So, I mean, for sure, we are not buying the market as we speak. It's more that we strategically have invested in in, in distribution, you know, um, digital, and also have better products. 
And so if we backed out par, would you still have sales growth? Uh, the answer is yes. This is a great, this is a great indirect question. Yeah. Okay. And then just maybe lastly, and Jacques, quick, like, was there any negative lapse experience in the quarter? I didn't see any, um, and it didn't feel like there was, but just wanted to confirm that. No, uh, in fact, uh, pretty in line a little bit, uh, I would say a little bit negative, but uh, pretty much in line. Uh, and what, one thing that we noticed is last year, you will recall that policyholder behavior were favorable. Le the, we were having less laps in the early duration of policies, and it was really positive things. In the first quarter, uh, what we have observed is really that it came back to pre-COVID uh, behavior from policyholders, so no gain coming from that part. And Doug, uh, I, I can come back on the, the question, the, your first question you asked. Uh, when I, the, the, the way you ask the question in regard of provision, have we released provision? The reality is no. But there's something with the, the, with the, stock, the, the stock protection that happened during that quarter that has not happened for, since its inception. And it, it's important. It's something a little bit complicated. But the, that stock protection usually will only vary, uh, will, will vary with the stock market performance. And that's what have happened over the, 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 since its inception in 2005. And you, you will remember that since that time, we have diversified our portfolio of assets, and the proxy we're providing is no longer as, I would say, uh, correlated with our real exposure because we have private equity, we have stock options there. However, this quarter, with the huge increase in interest rate that, that we had, um, it has an impact on uh, our provision, our entire provision, uh, backing long-term liabilities. And like I said, it has not happened in the 100 previous quarter. So this is what happened. So it's not that our provision has been decreased. It's more, I would say, a movement. Some protection has been moved to protect for interest rate movement instead of stock market. That's really to the way to look at it right now. So there's no reduction in overall protection for the life insurance. Uh, okay, I get it. Okay, great. That's, thank you very much. Our next question comes from Paul Holden with CIBC World Markets. Please proceed. All right, thank you. Good morning. Uh, a few questions. First, first one is with respect to the auto loan book. And I remember a year ago, you created some credit reserves there, additional credit reserves. And I, I, I can't recall if you have anything left in that bucket. I guess the reason I'm asking is if credit broadly continues to trend better than expected, including in auto loans, is there something still left that might come back into earnings and into uh, book value? Um, <clears throat> thank you, Paul. It's Jacques speaking. Uh, I, I would say most of it has not been used, actually. Uh, in re 
réalité, for this quarter, there's 1.5 million less in provision compared to the previous quarter end. And it's not because we have reduced the conservatism here. It's really the fact that we have less clients that are uh, in a different situation and we have less car reprocessed. So a slight part of the provision taken last year has been released. And we still continue to maintain it uh, because uh, it will come probably in Q2. We will see uh, most of the client for which we provided deferral will have to start to repay. So we'll continue to follow the experience there. But we're very pleased with the credit experience. I see. So basically the story is, is you know, perhaps there's a chance that if the credit experience as those deferrals roll off in the next couple quarters that we'll get a, a truer sense of what the right uh, what the right provisioning level is. Exactly, yeah. Okay, okay, I follow you, thank you. Um, and then I was also hoping to get an update on PPI, right? Uh, an acquisition you made and subsequently had to write down the goodwill associated on that. I'm just wondering if that division is performing better now along with the strong individual um, insurance sales uh, for IA broadly. Uh, Denise, you want me to take this? Yeah, sure. Sorry, I, I had yeah. forgotten to press the button, so yeah, I was saying that uh, <laughs> you should go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Paul. Uh, PPI is uh, is performing very well as planned, um, and and uh, as an independent uh, MGA is uh, contributing, you know, uh, to the the growth uh, of of IA as well. So we're very pleased. Things are moving along very well. Um, and, um, you know, we've gained, um, regained everything that, you know, during the pandemic, uh, all MGAs had uh, some uh, struggle at one point, but we're now back um, with, uh, with the business, as I said, um, in line with the plan in both in the broad market as well as in the higher end market. So I'm pleased with the PPI at this time. Yeah, maybe the one thing that I would add at this point is that uh, uh, one of the strategic um, rationale also of PPI was to make some synergies in, you know, between our businesses, and so we're using PPI as an MGA for some of our affiliates on the well side as well. Got it. Okay. And last question I have for you is with respect to IA uh, Auto and Home, and so if I look at slide 23 of your deck, you're expecting now a quarterly run rate of. 13 uh, million a year. I think that's substantially higher than the last update um, I saw, if I remember correctly. So maybe you can comment on your uh, your outlook there through 2021. Yeah, actually, uh, Jacques speaking, uh, Paul, really great question. Actually, uh, for a couple of years, we've been in very positive territory with IOTO and OM. We're following the market and we're very pleased with the pre-pricing we, we've done, uh, I would say, two, three years ago. You will remember certainly that period. Uh, so uh, we felt very comfortable uh, expecting profit at this level for this year. But, you know, it's a short-term business, and uh, price, uh, price changes may come along the way. So we will see how it will go. But the uh, Q1 result just proved that uh, it's still very, very good uh, experience on that business. 
I'll leave it there. Thank you. Our next question comes from Gabriel Deschen with National Bank Financial. Please proceed. Sorry, just uh, <clears throat> finishing a bite of my sandwich here. Um, clarification on IAS. Um, and, Mike, thanks for the uh, the guidance there. But just want to kind of parse the commentary a bit in terms of uh, what to expect vis-a-vis -vis the 39 to 44 cents of accretion this year. It sounds like first half might be trending better than what you'd anticipated. Second half, weaker. When you... Um, you know, bake that cake, do you still end up in that range or, or do we fall short of it or what? Uh, Gabriel, Jacques speaking, uh, I would say with what, yes, I would say that's the, the way to, to look at it because uh, Q1 certainly is more positive, uh, really great gain there. And like Mike mentioned, we'll see what will happen in, uh, second, in the uh, second half of the year with that chip shortage. But we have to, to make sure to, to recognize also we are in the used car business, but uh, certainly the new car business will be affected. Right. So what are you saying about the, the 39 and 44 cents? We just got that for the, number for the last quarter. I would say for the year, uh, Gabriel, I would say we continue with the guidance that we have. So that's the best uh, indication we can provide. Yeah, we're still confident, okay. uh, Gabriel. We're still confident that uh, we can hit that, tar that target. Okay, great. Um, the tax uh, rate was high this quarter. You spelled out what was behind that. It doesn't sound like a one-time item. Uh, you know, you see those from time to time. Just wondering, you know, are we at a newer level now for tax rate? Uh, because, you know, your 20 to 22%, I, I believe, guidance uh, would be affected by that. Yeah, Gabriel, that's a good that's a good point. I would expect uh, to be at the high end, unfortunately, of the range on the tax side for the remainder of the year because of that effect. Yeah. Okay. And then lastly, uh, I mean, I saw good growth across all segments except for individual insurance, and I'm I'm wondering, uh, you know, the core was down five percent uh, year over year. There's some expense items. Uh, I mean, it, it is. Is this going to be a year or maybe more where, you know, growth at IEG is, you know, driven more by auto-related businesses? Well, you know, lower capital intensity stuff, which is great, but, uh, you know, uh, the individual insurance might seem like more of a drag these days. You know, uh, Gabriel, the, the negative comes mainly from tax because when I look at the expected oh, okay. profit on enforced growth, it's quite interesting how it goes. And, of course, we had some experience loss coming from uh, expenses, and there was a provision for default. But uh, I think really pretty good growth for uh, life insurance. All right. I missed that uh, expected profit for that segment. Busy morning. Thanks for everything. No problem, Gabriel. Thank you. Our next question comes from Tom McKinnon with BMO Capital Markets. Please proceed. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, just some questions with respect to slide 21, uh, where you talk about policyholder experience. Um, the first is really just, um, you know, on that uh, U.S. operations and I, the, the five cents there. And I think you spelled out that you had better uh, um, experience gains in uh, IAS. And that was driven by strong sales and uh, 
better integration and some lower expenses and better synergies. So, you know, um, the first question related to that is the sales were actually down quarter over quarter. And if we look at the last three quarters, the U.S. dealer services sales were the first quarter of 2021 was the lowest that we've had in the last three quarters. Uh, maybe there's seasonality there. What what made this number in the quarter be better than expected to you? And uh, um, and and how much of that five cents was driven by better than anticipated sales? Um, Tom, uh, Jacques speaking. One thing I forgot to mention earlier, it's claim also. Claim experience was better than expected. It also helped there. And for sure, there's seasonality into the, into the, the number, into the different quarters. So uh, really what you should look at is really expect uh, this is a gain compared to what we expect for that quarter. So that's the way to say it. So strong size less operating uh, expenses, and better claims. So that's really what explained that profit. Uh, that profit. Okay. So uh, of those things, maybe the sales may not be as strong going forward, but you're still going to have – I mean, if you put into place these uh, – got these synergies put into place, that, uh, that should continue to result in more favorable experience gains going forward for this line. Is that correct? Tom, I prefer to say that we still believe in our expected profit. And, uh, you know, if we were right every uh, every way in every line of business, every quarter, there won't be any gain and loss. So our yeah. best estimate that we still believe in that. We are very uh, pleased with the fact sales are stronger. Uh, certainly it will add. But like Mike mentioned, there's a chip invent, uh, inventory maybe issue coming down the long, the, the road. So uh, my, my best uh, I would say consult is to say uh, work with uh, our guidance. Okay. And then the second question is with respect to that same slide where you talk about individual insurance and it has a six cent hit. Uh, you know, this is outside of all that uh, um, reserve thing you set up. Is that correct? So what, what, is, what is driving this six cent hit in individual insurance? Yeah, actually, expenses expenses has been a negative factor for different li many lines of business, and it's coming for, from two things. Uh, it's uh, we capitalize less IT development, so we spend a little bit more on on the run for IT and some imp improve uh, some some maintain project instead of uh, capital big transformational capitalized project. And the second is in regard of our employee benefit. Uh, actually, our people, our employee, they took less vacation than uh, in normal years because of the COVID situation. And our internal policy is in uh, we pay uh, above a threshold when the, the employee have uh, too, too many uh, days of vacation, and we took the provision because this year we will pay more for the fact that those people didn't take their vacation. So those are the two things for the expenses, and it accounts for, for half of that six cent. And the other item is we took a provision for default uh, on an asset. It's uh, the other 2%, the other is 1% uh, is many uh, different things. So, in, so okay. in a nutshell, in a nutshell, I mean, I mean, most of the six cents is non-recurring. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that. 
Our next question comes from Mario Mandonka with TD Securities. Please proceed. Good afternoon. Uh, perhaps for Jacques, you can help me think through this. In um, expected profit, I was just looking at some of the trends in the various lines of business. The one that stands out for me is individual wealth management. Uh, year over year, the expected profit is roughly, let's call it 2% greater than it was last year. And just given uh, the move we've seen in markets and the very strong flows, I would have expected that business to show a lot greater strength in individual wealth management or expected profit. Is there some uh, mechanism that I'm missing that would explain that? That's a good observation, Mario. Um, I would say that uh, that's the sale of IAIC, okay, that was contributing last year, that is not contributing this year. And also, you're right saying that market movements are uh, uh, have been very different. So if we recall, last year, the first quarter expected profit was pre-crisis based on year-end uh, 2019 number, so which were pretty high before the, the crisis. So that's also contribute to the first quarter. When we look at the overall for the year, uh, we are more in the range of uh, close to 10% for that line of business. So that's really what happened here, the two, the two items. Okay. Would I, would I be correct in suggesting that next quarter's expected profit will be based on the quarter end Q1 uh, market levels? Exactly, yeah. Okay. And then a sort of related question is in group life and health, that also took a pretty, this is expected profit again, uh, dropped meaningfully sequentially. Uh, can you help me understand what's going on there? Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's purely, 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 purely seasonality here. You know, uh, when I look at that, I, myself, I was surprised when I saw such, such a, a, a big thing. But when I looked at the experience loss, of Q1 last year, I understood what our people have done. Actually, they wanted to reflect more the, the, the seasonality for that business. And uh, one of the information I can provide is for the remainder of the year for that division, uh, the growth will be around, the expected profit um, on enforced growth will be around 9%. So it's purely seasonality. For the remainder of the year, not for on a full year basis, is that right? For, for the, uh, sorry, for the few full year basis, including year. that Q1. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. As a reminder to register a question, please press the 1-4 on your telephone. Mr. Ricard, uh, there are no further questions at this time. Please continue with your presentation or closing remarks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Uh, I guess uh, this has been a very, very good quarter. As you've seen, sales momentum is, is incredible right now. Very, very good. Uh, the one thing that I, I think is important just to remind everyone is that for IE, an increasing interest rate environment is very, very positive. You know, when you look at it mid, mid to long term, there may be some noise, I mean, from quarter to quarter. But uh, long-term, this is very positive, as you can see, uh, you, if you just use the KPI of the URR. Uh, the third thing I would mention is the fact that, you know, all in, when you uh, forget all the, the adjustments, like book value is up 3% quarter on quarter and 9% year over year, which is very, very strong. And lastly, uh, I just want to go back to IAS, 
we're very proud as to where we are today. Um, we, uh, we are confident in our uh, objectives. And also the fact that even though there is some headwind on the new car side because of microchip for a few quarters, uh, like this year, we believe also there are some, some tailwinds, like the used car business is, is quite strong, the value is there, which also is adding to the, um, to the good experience that we had so far. So there's a, there's a lot of positive that we can see on the IAS side as we speak. So with that said, um, I would also encourage everyone to get vaccinated because we're all tired of this uh, pandemic and we would like to go back to something more normal. So uh, thanks a lot, guys. That does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your line. Have a great day, everyone. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.